0: With U.S. Bank, it's up to you, because they have the cards to fit
1: your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC.
2: Welcome to episode number five of Fantasy Bites. As usual, I'm Joe Bartle, and in today's show, I'll be joined by the other half of Fertowire's NFL podcast crew, Mario Puig, as he discusses his list of of Biggest Losers of the NFL Offseason. As a reminder, you can check out episode four in which John McKechnie and I talk about the biggest winners of the NFL Offseason to date wherever you already listen to your podcasts. Without further ado, enjoy the show.
1: Number three. My number three biggest loser of the offseason, I'm skipping a couple candidates. like I think a couple quarterbacks like Jameis Winston and Cam Newton obviously took some pretty big hits to their value. But in the less obvious cases, I think one of them is Meikle Hardman. He was, I think, poised for a breakout scenario back when it was assumed that Sammy Watkins would get released or traded from the Kansas City Chiefs. But it turns out, even though they were up against the cap, They did not have to cut him because he was willing to take a roughly $7 million pay cut. And I think you can still believe that Michael Harbin will have a good year. It's just that he was kind of going as high as that late seventh round range, that eighth round range where you were taking him because you were hoping that there would be that breakout. And as much as it could still happen, as much as he looks very talented for his own part, and of course everything looks well with Pat Mahomes leading that offense, it's just more crowded with Watkins there. And as much as everybody might kind of be sick of Watkins at this point, he's still a good player and he's still going to start probably will outproduce Meikle Hardman. Uh, so that's that's just one of those deals like the, the arrival will happen at some point with Hardman, but it looks like the Watkins scenario has, has maybe brought on a one-year delay as far as Meikle's breakout goes. You're one of the best ball kings
2: right now, it feels like, at roto You and Jerry have been doing a lot of work and writing a lot of articles um, pertaining to best ball leagues at the moment. So Hardman was going in that late seventh round, seventh round area, Prior to the news that Sammy Watkins comes back, where would you feel comfortable taking him now, knowing what the Chiefs' offense is gonna look like, maybe minus a guy they might draft a running back wide receiver uh in the next couple of weeks?
1: I would say something like the ninth or tenth round range. I would still probably prefer Michael Hardman over guys like uh the Pittsburgh duo of Deontay Johnson, who sometimes goes in the ninth, and James Washington who goes As high as the 12th, as late as the 14th in some leagues, I basically have Johnson and Washington as a 1A, 1B kind of thing. They're they're the same ranking spot to me. But I would take Meikle over them both just because in the chance that someone like Watkins or Tyreek Hill gets hurt, then Meikle could go from a wide receiver four in fantasy to a top 20 kind of player at the position. Uh, But as long as Watkins and Hill are in the way, it's of course going to be a little crowded there.
2: Does this logic apply for dynasty leagues as well? And maybe this is on my mind because we're actually drafting a dynasty league for road right now, but obviously in season long formats, we can certainly understand where the hardman drop off would come into play after Watkins comes back and everything else. Does that same thing occur for a dynasty format in your, in your opinion?
1: Not really. I think that it's, it's a, uh, it denies him an upside scenario for this year, but as a long-term asset, he's still golden. Like he just turned 22 a month ago, he was a huge success his rookie year. Watkins is only on a one year deal. So, if Watkins is done after this year, then Hardman probably has to be the assumed wide receiver two for Kansas City starting in 2021. And as long as that's the case, then he's really poised for a, a blast off, I think. Yeah, but and, uh, look-
2: it's worth pointing out I mean, Mahomes' contract is coming up too, right? He's going to be getting massive money, and Hardman's going to be a cheap asset for at least the next two or three years from the chiefs perspective.
1: Yeah. And he's, I think just going to kind of force the issue on a talent basis too. I mean, he's, he was denied uh, whatever it was like a 64 yard touchdown against the Raiders because LaShawn McCoy made a holding penalty that didn't actually really matter for the play. And even with that play missing, Hardman caught 26 of 41 targets for 538 yards, six touchdowns. Uh, There's, there's a chance he could make more of a threat as a, a more of an impact as a runner, In the future, I think he's probably a dangerous jet sweep kind of threat if they choose to use him more that way. We saw what he could do as a kick returner. So I think he's just one of those guys who's uncommonly fast, uncommonly good with the football once he has it. And uh, he's really good for how young he is. And he's only been playing receiver for three years now. So if he's going into his fourth year at receiver, He's only 22 years old and he's already accomplished the things that he has to this point. I think he clearly looks like a long-term standout. It's just a question of when rather than uh, whether he will. Number two, second biggest loser of the offseason for me. Uh, not because I'm ranking him lower than Hardman. I'm ranking him ahead of Hardman still. Uh, but I thought he had a higher cost as a starting point too. So I think, I think he might've lost as much or more as Hardman might've, but Jarvis Landry in Cleveland is a player I'm concerned about for 2020 He's got that hip labrum tear that he had surgically repaired, and that will keep him out, uh, at least at the previous prognosis, said he will be out until at least August, uh, which is to say, like, at least the start of August it will take for him to even be getting back into the swing of football activities. So it's not to say he'll be ready to play in August. It's like he... They hope I I would assume they're hoping he'll be ready uh, in advance of week one. But when it's when it's phrased as he's going to be ready to return sometime in August, that leaves, I think, the possibility of a rust shaking off period where, you know, we don't know how long it might take. This is not a fast or quick receiver to start with. So if he's limited athletically because of his injury, that's something that concerns me. And aside from that, arguably the greater concern, I think, is the signing of Austin Hooper who in free agency they, they reeled in from Atlanta and they made him basically the most well-compensated tight end in the league. And most people's projections that I've looked at seem to think that Hooper will lose out to, Ly- to J- Jarvis Landry, and I see it the opposite way. I think Hooper will largely make Landry redundant because they're both underneath pass catchers. They're both underneath pass catching spe- specialists. Neither one is a downfield threat. So the question of who gets the most usage, I think, will probably come down to, A, who does the team— Consider the best at the underneath usage, and B, who do they have a political incentive to use more than the other? And I think both answers are Hooper, because Hooper was so uniquely good in Atlanta, where he was averaging uh, something like 20 more points in his catch percentage and still with more yards per target than Landry has in Cleveland. And I think that Hooper, if only because they need to justify that contract will basically get the first crack at establishing himself as the main underneath receiver. And I think he will do well enough with it that they won't re-examine his role. And between the Hooper threat and that hip, uh, the surgically repaired hip, I'm pretty concerned f- about Landry, who I want to say what's going as high as the sixth sort of round in PPR scoring. And I think he still is going around uh, that sixth, seventh round range. To me, he's more of a, I don't know, ninth, 10th kind of range. I'd rather have in PPR, Jamison Crowder, for instance. And I think he goes at least a couple rounds later than Landry tends to.
2: I agree with you on the Hooper stuff. And I want to double back to that in a second, but I feel like this was lost, especially in how crazy the offseason season, been and, and COVID-19, and everything else, this Jarvis Landry injury, like when, and I agree with you when you say August, that he's coming back or he'll be ready to do football activities. That does not mean this is Jarvis Landry hundred percent ready to go in August. This is, he's just getting back. Now that's a pretty significant time off, especially in the circumstance that we have going on right now where there's a lot of different uncertainties in the medical field. I think that's, that should be a jarring type of thing that no one's really talking about right now.
1: Yeah. And again, this was a slow and kind of lethargic receiver even before he got hurt and Landry's a good receiver. Like he's good at receiver tasks, but he he's a good receiver without having athletic advantages. And he he's a, he's of course still got the skill. It's just one of those things. He has a pretty thin margin of error, I think. And an injury like this is enough to spook me along uh, that, along those lines. And then when you throw in the Hooper question as well, it's just more than I feel like dealing with. And I always leave someone else to take him.
2: You're probably one of the Kings of projections. I feel like at the office, or I feel like, or at least at the very least you are doing a lot of them when these off actions occur have, and I'm putting you on the spot and I shouldn't be so sorry about that, but have you done something already or have an idea of what Hoopers figures are going to look like in conjunction with that Browns offense and Jarvis Landry?
1: I haven't made any projections, but I looked pretty closely at the usage of Landry in Cleveland and the usage of Hooper in Atlanta uh, also the tight end usage in, in Cleveland last year. And the the basic thing that spooks me off of Landry without even making a specific projection for him is that I think we have reason to believe that Hooper's usage as a pass catcher will basically be four times the rate of what the tight end wow. position did in Cleveland last year. So something's got to give there and maybe Hooper loses. Maybe he just turns out to be a product of the Atlanta system and maybe Landry keeps doing what he's been doing, but Landry has only done what he's done the last two years with the Cleveland tight ends, basically doing nothing at all. And I think that the contract for Hooper dictates that they'll use him more like he was used in Atlanta, which is uh, I, I can't remember the specific figures, but I wrote an article about, Uh, the Cleveland offense in light of the Hooper signing. And basically it was, it was something like through seven games last year, Hooper had eclipsed the target count of the Cleveland tight ends over 16 games last year. (laughs) And he he was just one tight end in the Atlanta offense. It's like And he missed three games. So like the Jaden Graham guy or whoever, he got a bunch of targets too. So Cleveland just did not use a tight end last year. and, it's it's one thing to think Landry can keep being a good receiver in the abstract, and it's another to think that he can repeat his numbers even if Hooper shows up and just totally you know lays waste to that previous target distribution. The last question I have
2: about this I know is one of your favorite NFL topics so far, and I, I say that sarcastically because you seem to be pulling your hair out every time uh, you discuss it on Twitter, but Kareem Hunt now coming back to the Browns passing attack, he was another one of those short pass catchers, uh, operating in conjunction. It felt like, at least to me with Nick Chubb, do you feel like hunt also cuts into Landry's or are you just like, ah, it's, it's entirely Hooper. Uh, and I have really no issue. It's like a a side side deal with hunt right now for Jarvis Landry.
1: Well, I think they're all good players and it's, it's not that I mean to say like, I doubt, Either or sorry, I don't mean to say I doubt any of them can do whatever it is that they're supposed to or what they did in the past. It's just there's only so much that can go around now. And if Hooper's getting roughly four times the tight end usage that they had previously, then that's going to come out of someone else's paycheck kind of. And I think Landry and Hunt both stand to lose with that Hooper signing Kareem Hunt's just straight up lined up at tight end a lot last year. Like he had more targets than he had carries. And a third of his snaps were at positions other than running back. So, even, and even among the running back ones, it's like at least twelve were at fullback. So, he got on the field a lot, and he got usage a lot last year in snaps and, and uh, reps that just don't exist anymore because Hooper's there now. And so, to me, it, it's one of those things like, Hooper's going to do something more than what was going on at tight end in the past years for Cleveland. And it's probably going to come maybe half and half. I don't know. Maybe maybe it comes out of even Odell Beckham or Nick Chubb's production to, to get Austin Hooper on the field and get Austin Hooper the ball. But because Austin Hooper's an underneath pass catcher, generally speaking, and because that's generally the case, too, for Jarvis Landry and Kareem Hunt, I just think that the only way they can stay up to the standards that they established last year is if Hooper is not there or if Hooper's failing and they've basically phased him out of the game plan, which I just don't think is going to happen. So to me, Kareem Hunt is just a handcuff kind of player. Like he's going to be a good off the bench player for, for the Browns. And when they use him as a pass catcher, he'll probably be good at it. It's just how much are they really going to find themselves in the position where they need an underneath sort of target? And they, ch- and they go to Hunt before Hooper, or more specifically, before Hooper and Landry. It just doesn't seem that much to me. And then Kareem Hunt, I don't think, can actually challenge Nick Chubb as a pure runner out of the backfield. Uh, not that it's his fault. I don't think anyone really can. So I think that it's, it's just – with Kareem Hunt, he's going to be overqualified depth, basically. And in the event that Chubb does get hurt or in the event that Hooper gets hurt – then his role just, you know, skyrockets basically. And he'll be good at that. What if that situation arises, but I don't think he'll really play reliably unless one of those situations arise. Number one, the biggest loser for me, this one's maybe a little more obvious than Landry and Hardman, but with Melvin Gordon signing a two year, $16 million contract with the Broncos, I think you got to call Philip Lindsay, one of the biggest losers of the off season and it's not that I doubt him. And in fact, I kind of feel like it's almost going to take a rigged competition to really phase him out of the offense. But when you're paying a running back eight million a year, that tends to give the added incentive for a team to kind of just phase a guy out, even if or, or they'll, they'll just kind of put Gordon on the field just because they're paying him so much. And it won't really matter how good Lindsay is. And I think he's pretty good. I mean, he ran for a thousand yards in both of his first two NFL seasons, even though he was undrafted. Uh, 16 touchdowns on the ground in those two years, four and a half yards per carry last year, 5.4 per carry in 2018. He's clearly very good at running the ball. He's maybe not so good as a pass catcher. And that's where Gordon is a clear improvement, I think. Um, but even if I thought there would maybe be a hot hand scenario for Lindsay, uh, like a scenario where, well, if, if Gordon comes out flat on the ground, maybe Lindsay can get in. And I just don't really see it because of that Gordon contract. Now, maybe desperate, circumstances will come up and they'll they'll be uh, who knows maybe it's like a 17 to 10 game and and Gordon's already taken 14 carries for 30 yards and maybe Lindsay comes off the bench and runs for 60 yards and you know eight carries or something but I feel like that's the best case scenario with him and in, in those kinds of cases it's, it's that's not changing anybody's fantasy fortunes you know so he needs Gordon to get hurt to be valuable again in a conventional league. Uh, I guess that kind of puts Lindsay in a similar category to me as Kareem Hunt. It's like good players, but they're not, they're not going to be used unless they break the glass in the case of emergency, basically.
2: Well, yeah. And Hunt had an obvious utility as a pass catcher, which I think it's more of Cleveland's fault than anything. I think Nick Chubb can easily be a pass catcher, but they don't seem to use him that way where Hunt was it's different. We know that Melvin Gordon can be, or at least he was operating under that pretense with the chargers. And he has a nose for the goal line too. Like, like when you try to do a running back by committee scenario with the Broncos, at least in my mind, there isn't a spot where Lindsay is demonstrably better than Gordon, other than maybe just as a runner. And that's great, but you're right. They they paid Gordon 8 million a year to be a runner. He's got to be out there.
1: Yeah, so like I said, if they if they're looking for a hot hand in a game, Lindsay can probably provide it, but the odds of them staying away from Gordon for more than a drive or two just don't strike me as very good. Uh and Gordon's not bad at running. Like I, I think he's no better than average as a pure runner, and I think Lindsay is an above average pure runner. Yeah. But I think they care I think they care about the passing game functions, and uh yeah, I just don't really see Lindsay doing much more than getting You know, maybe something like eight carries a game, but generally getting his carries between the 20s and especially when Gordon is just kind of worn out or something. Do you think this signing also hurts Gordon, too?
2: Like, I guess I don't know where he was being drafted pre Broncos signing, but I can't imagine he's gotten his value up since then. Right.
1: (laughs) I think it has gone up actually, and you you still have some, you still have some people who are really true believers in Melvin Gordon and maybe they're right. I mean, he had, he had some moments with the Chargers, at least. Um, I tend to think he's, he's more of an average pure runner and maybe slightly above average pass catcher, a good enough player. And you know, he, he can be a leading contributor in a good offense, but I just, I, I just don't think he's as good of a pure runner as Lindsey, and um, unless Denver has a really good defense and put Gordon in scoring range a lot, basically, I think he might disappoint from scrimmage. But, I, I do think though that Denver probably will have a good defense, and if the offensive line is okay, and if Drew Locke can stay afloat, then maybe their identity as a team will be one where it's like they're very run heavy and they give Gordon a lot of work and he gets into scoring range. And maybe he only averages 3.6 yards a carry this year. And maybe he only runs for, uh, you know, a thousand and fifty yards, but maybe he scores 10 or 11 or 12 times and maybe he catches 50 passes. That does it for episode five of
2: fantasy bites. Special thanks of course, to the racing pulses for lending their music as well as John and Mario for making a guest appearance over the past two episodes. Starting next Tuesday, we'll have two episodes of the podcast lined up each week. So stay tuned for more bite-sized podcasts coming your way.